0: A Midnight Snack, written by Matthew Wayne, performed by Douglas Dorda. Something skittered deep within the plaster ceiling of the small White House, which had been raised some 80 years before at the corner of Michigan Street and Jackson Avenue. A run-down block west of the historic downtown center of Crouch, Jackson Avenue had always been home to the town's poor, ill, and ignored. Beyond the dozen shack homes in varying states of disrepair and the half-rotten maples that lined Jackson was a sleepy leg of the Grand Rapids rail line. And beyond the tracks grew the reason any man ever laid track in Crouch, Michigan. Corn. Amber fields done in neat little rows for miles with occasional patches of beets or soy. New Holland combines and old Ford tractors stood out like pools of blue water among the green and gold of it all. The only other color for miles came in shades of red paint, some of it sun-bleached pink and some of it as dark as blood. All down to how many dry winters and swamp-humid summers the mixture of linseed oil, lime, and iron oxide had clung to whichever barn or silo it was that jutted out of that great green empty. Lake Michigan could be tough on folks, just as it was tough on wood and tough on paint. But the corn always thrived and grew tall, even as the folks on Jackson, those who watched it all come in and then go down the rails, did not. The way of things. The skittering came again. A small sound, but Sean Norris felt it rumble in his chest all the same and shuddered hard from his shoulders on down. Hey, Clementine flinched in the black pleather office chair she was standing on and wobbled back and forth with the sway you okay? Oh, sure, Sean said as he braced himself between the cane he felt too young for and the warbling chair, steadying it. Yeah, I guess I really don't like how wobbly you are up there. Rickety things got rips and tears older than our marriage. Spin me around, Clementine said. I need to look at you. Sean spun her slowly. So nothing like earlier? She asked. No, nothing like earlier, Sean mocked her concerned tone. "'Oh, shut up and pass me a nail, old man,' Clementine said as she spun the chair back around using the tips of her toes. She reached back to Sean with an upturned and waiting hand. When it had stayed empty for longer than it should have, she spun back around to face him. He was looking back at her with a cocked brow and a boyish grin. "'Was it the nail thing?' she asked. "'Is that the thing I'm supposed to laugh at?' "'You don't have to.' Sean snorted out a chuckle. But you could, even if it's charity. Nail, she said, palm out firm and suffering no fools. Sean made a thin line of his mouth and arched the eyebrow further. Later, she laughed and gestured with her open palm. Let's go, dude. I want to get down. Me too. Sean? Okay, stay extra still, Sean said as he let go of the cane and reached for the finishing nails on the shelf beside him. He picked one from the group and handed it up to Clementine. She was used to doing all the household climbing, and more than game for it. Sean admired that about her, just as he admired the views her excursions often afforded him. But if her cut-off hoodie and bare midriff in his face fed one side of his imagination, surely each tilt of the rickety chair fed the other. Thank you, Clementine said and steadied the nail against the molding above the interior side of their front door. So we agree then? It wasn't like a spider? Sean asked. Clem nodded. The chair creaked below her, but she didn't seem to notice. Sean noticed. He braced the plastic arms of the office chair and his cane fell to the floor with a crack. I'm fine, baby, Clementine said. You concentrate on standing up straight. Sean let go of the chair and retrieved his cane from off the tile and creaked back into an upright position. She drove the steel spike home, and from down the hall there was a groan of settling wood, followed by the trickle of broken plaster, and both lovers bent an ear to the sound. Next nail whenever you're upright, Clementine smiled with her voice, drowning out the skitter in the walls. Sean fetched another spike and passed it up to her, and then braced the chair back with his good hip as she drove the nail into the door frame. Something skittered by above them, where an attic would have been, Had there been one. Sean shuddered. What about your jewelry box? He asked. No idea. Come on, baby, focus. Okay, okay. Sean shrugged and went to the box of nails again. We could move, you know. Oh, sure. We'll just put the house in the haunted section of the classifieds. Clementine turned to stare at him with her knitted brows, and as she did, the chair dipped and rocked. She rode the motions like a surfer and grinned triumphant when the chair finally settled. You got time to be careful and sarcastic? Sean asked. I do, she beamed. Now, and Sean, this is important. Think good thoughts when you hand this last nail to me. Think about me and think about Beanie. Think about the boys. Good thoughts. I get it. Clementine flexed her brow and set her jaw. No sean said really i do he passed the nail and thought of nights they stayed up too late talking over pillows clementine's fingers brushed his as she took the spike from him and he thought of forts they'd made and games they'd played in that room with their nephews clementine turned to face the door and he thought of chasing their animals around the small house as clementine steadied the nail sean thought of things that made the house theirs and only theirs She swung the hammer down and the wood shrieked like virgin ice as it split. She hammered again and again until there was no sound but the heavy thud of steel on board. And then she hammered still, the chair base rocking. And all the while, Sean braced her, as it had to be done. Clementine went to her pocket and retrieved a small rope full of tiny knots they'd tied together that morning. Each one a memory, Sean. She closed her eyes and draped it over the nails. One knot on each side hung low and just kissed the steel door. All right, old man, give me a spin, slow. Sean obliged, and she smiled when their eyes met. She reached out her hand. He took it and helped her to the ground. Why, thank you, she said. That's my job. She kissed him on the cheek, walked down the hall, and disappeared into their room. Sean watched her go and tried not to think of the itchy wound healing on his back or the little fibers of his black shirt fusing with platelets as they hardened. Still one more thing we have to do to set this right, Clementine called, and he tried not to think of the night before when all was still and quiet until it wasn't. At first it was delicate a light dance across his shoulder blades, and he woke with a shiver. That you, babe? Clementine snored in return, and Sean smiled and sleepily shrugged the tickle off as a common sign of a working relationship. One of Clementine's hairs that stuck to his pillow in their earlier tumble through the rough linens, a whopping 400 threads, really nothing out of the ordinary. He looked back at her, asleep and facing away. Ambient light from outside the window fell over the snowy flesh of her bare shoulder. The rare August breeze cooled her glistening body and left a topographic trail on her soft skin in the places it had kissed in the darkness. His Clementine. For all time. His eyes grew heavy on her and she led him down the great river of sleep, just as she did every night, her calm and steady breathing his guide. As they floated, he wondered in misarranged fragments if she knew how he watched her. Was she aware of her astral occupation? By the time he pondered her breasts and how they rose and fell beneath the flat sheet, sleep had all but taken him. The tickle along his shoulders came dancing again, and before it ceased, another feathery point joined the number, twin dancers now pirouetting around each other. They twisted up and down either side of his back, twirling and doubling back as they went along the base of his spine, each one folding over the other's path as they made their way back up to his skull, light and delicate. Little bolts of tickled lightning spread through Sean's nerves. His muscles seized up together for just an instant, then released. He smiled slightly before he reached behind him to brush away the long, dark hairs he was sure had to be there even though he couldn't find them. Nothing on the pillowcase. Nothing caught in the shaggy bits of his own mane that gathered at the nape of his neck. Nothing at all. He huffed and rolled over and wriggled and scratched his back on the cotton sheet like a cartoon bear against a tree. He'd mastered the technique over the course of a ten-year marriage that had seen its share of rogue hairs stowed away in one place or another and this particular maneuver was a far more dignified removal than what he got up to when he found one of her stowaways in the shower. That daily eye roller would go to his grave with him, whether that came tomorrow or 100 years on. Satisfied he had shaken the rogue hair, he rolled over and was startled by a cool breath on his neck. Jesus, Clem, he muttered. Sneak up on me like that? Don't know how you roll over all these pillows without making a sound, but it's creepy as all get-out. The breath continued, no words, and he smiled and matched the rhythms of the breathing. The world around him returned to sleepy violets that held him firm. Then came the sting between his shoulder blades. Stay, something said, as if inside his own mouth the pain searching him like a needle digging for a splinter that was never there to find. Stay, bits of him tearing away. Stay, a thousand needles now in that one small point between his shoulders and the violets that enveloped him turned red. Stay, but he would not stay trapped in the dark. His eyes snapped open and crossed violently from the pain cavities long due for maintenance stung with the sharp breath sucked past his teeth. The needles settled in deeper, then moved the length of his spine in erratic fits, and he jerked and thrashed about as they went. He strained his neck to look to Clementine, his veins bulging and pulsing as he pinned his eyes on her and struggled to keep them there. He wished soon that he had not Her eyelids opened in a rush, and where he expected the love and comfort of her green eyes, he instead found black discs absent of emotion. Mouth open, jaw tensed, twisted and inhuman lines in her face nodding as she moved her jaw and lips. Speaking. She was speaking, but Sean heard nothing save a low, droning sound. Clem, he gurgled. She kicked the sheet away and sent it to the floor and rolled on top of him, pinning him to the mattress. Her jaw dropped to her chest and the drone grew. Sean forced his eyes closed, and when he opened them again, Clementine was asleep, the blankets undisturbed. A single strand of gray stuck out from her black hair and lay on her face. He could hardly believe he had never seen it before. The sting that had been eating away at him retreated into nothing and with it went all sensation but a high buzzing sound. He lay there a while, just breathing slow, nose and mouth, and in one and out the other, in some tactic for finding one's center that he had misheard from the mouth of someone with no authority to say so. But the oxygen was good, fulfilling. He tried to sit forward but made it nowhere. His eyes darted around the room in mad circles before he forced them shut. Again, he tried to sit up and wake his wife, but he managed no steady movement, only erratic jerks and spasms. The phantom bite sunk in again, and sensation returned, flooding Sean's brain all at once, firing everywhere like little galaxies that knew only pain. His mouth shot open, but there was no sound. The smell of blood filled the humid room. Copper. Five hundred dollars in pennies. He stared up at the black ceiling and even through the pain and strain that enveloped him, he felt the darkness staring back. His eyes darted left and right and left again like he was reading a book only he could see. Drywall cracked above him in a jagged smile of sheetrock teeth. It opened wide and darkness spilled from inside and made its way to Sean, filling his empty spaces as he stared silent into the black. Seconds? Lifetimes? All the same. The mouth spoke, moving in the same foreign rhythms Clementine had moments before. The strange syllable swam through tones lower still than any Sean had ever heard. Its resonance filled every empty space inside his skull, and pressed his flesh and begged for more. For control. For every bit of him. For Clementine. It wanted her, too. He made another lunge forward, but the rumblings pinned him flat and rattled his bowels. Clem, he croaked through a pin jaw. Run. But she only slept as the phantom bite bore down on him again on the area of its first attack. Every forced order to scream or run or resist in any way was unanswered by Sean's body. The great mouth widened above him, and Sean howled in low, rolling swells as darkness swallowed the room. Clementine had been dreaming of an orchestra; contrabass, bassoon, and tuba were leading when the sound of her husband's pained scream broke through the drone. A strange outlier among the low frequencies that enveloped her, she found his cries curious at first as they changed the shapes of the waveforms in her head. Curious turned bothersome with his persistence, and she tuned him out and tried to focus her attention back upon the mesmerizing hum and all of the overtones and undertones of pine and cedar and mahogany vibrating in concerto. A beautiful sonic egg that kept her safe and sedate, and numb she floated in all that hum like flesh warm water unencumbered by her own body she could have stayed forever the high warble came again adding a cold jet to the fluid and she jostled in place trying to shake it but she could not bother turned to concern and she woke the concerto faded to oral black and then the blue of night air rushed into her lungs She turned to her husband with a jerk. Sean was all angles, rigid as a corpse, a single gray hair in his dark mane. She snapped to his side, heart beating at breakaway speed. Babe? she asked, a panicked quiver in her voice. Sean paid her no mind or body as she took him in both hands and shook. His dark eyes remained fixed on something above them. Something in the dark called for her. Look, girl, look. No, she said aloud and grabbed her husband's shoulders tighter, trying to shake him free of his Gorgon curse. Sean, snap out of it. He only stared up, past her, and Clementine could no longer fight the astral magnets that pulled her eyes upward to the place where his were locked. Just a dark place on the ceiling, some spot the hallway light could not reach, nothing more. But it called her. She heard it. A low hum buried in the quiet sounds of nighttime that never left. The sounds that people had long accepted as silence. Listen. Stay. It would surely be easier to stop fighting. To listen. To stay. Sean was there already. Listening. No, no. She said again and sprung for her bedside lamp and jammed the switch, but no light came. Sean twitched violent at the neck and Clementine leapt back to his side. Damn it, baby, wake up! Her fingers had only grazed his skin when he began to shake all over, every muscle pulsing like he'd been pulled from the grasp of Superior herself in January. Shoulders and elbows and knees all seized and thrashed in pointed feats of insane choreography. Baby, she cried. What's happening? Sean only shook. The symphonic drone from her dream returned. Its deep swells enveloped her and pulled her gaze to the ceiling, and she thought she saw red orbs among the darkness gathered there, and a jagged mouth among the popcorn impressions in the ceiling. She shouted. Just noise at first, but then... What are you? The drone shifted lower still, rustling her bowels. She slipped her hands behind Sean's head and pressed her forehead to his. You have to help me. Bass rolled. I don't know what to do. I don't... Sean's face turned red, and the red went purple, and the purple went blue in slow diffusion. Come on, breathe. Please, Sean. She made for her phone on the side table and the drone above her barked a furious report accompanied by a strong wind. Fuck you, she hollered and heaved the small oaken jewelry box Sean had given her years before. It sailed into the dark above. She never heard it clatter to the floor, never saw it or anything inside again. The black began to recede uniform to a point like water draining from a tub and the air inside their bedroom followed the darkness without a sound. Clementine gasped and found nothing. Absolutely nothing, in its purest and simplest form. A new panic now burned in her gut, and before that fire had consumed her entirely, there came a snap. The drone ceased. Sean gasped, and so did she. She pulled him to her breast, her breath steady but shallow. A chunk of flesh an inch or more wide had been excised from his shoulder, and from that place a crimson trickle flowed down his back and bent where it met his xylophone ribs. Breathe, baby. Breathe with me. Feel me. Match me. Sean nodded and sputtered and spat, but his breathing slowed and deepened, and color returned to him in the same smoky way it had left. Relief flooded Clementine's panicked fingers, a tickle where there had been nothing. Come on, she said. Look at me. He met her stare, eyes pained and determined to find stillness, but rolling loose in his head. Do I need to call an ambulance? She asked and turned for her bedside table, but felt her husband tug her back toward him. No, Sean croaked. Then you fucking breathe, damn it she said as she wrapped her arms under his and held. I'm fucking trying, he coughed. You're squeezing it out of me. Clementine loosed her grip and laughed until salt water ran down her face unobstructed and dampened her husband's bare skin, washing away the smeared blood in streaks that crossed each other's paths at random. You were blue, fucking blue. I can't see that again, I... Sean squeezed her hand. She squeezed back. Thank you, he managed. I don't know. Come on, she said and sniffled some. Save your breath. I don't want to call an ambulance, but I will. No, no. Then hush and breathe. Sean nodded and did as he was told. The veins and tendons in his neck retreated back into the muscle. Clementine held him there and prayed. She dropped her head down to his chest and let go of the war in her body. She whispered, it's okay, and it was nothing, but couldn't believe her own words, couldn't keep her eyes off the bloody smear on his back or the gouge it came from. Fire burned in her guts and rose and mixed an acidic cement in her throat as she checked her fingernails for blood or rolled up flaps of her husband's skin, but there was nothing and just as soon as she had finished her silent thank you to God that the offense had not been her own doing, the result of a nocturnal fit or some action stolen from her memory, fear set in again. Something had taken that peace from her man. Something. She scanned the room, feeling the heat of eyes upon her, but there was nothing strange or foreign to be found in the shadows. She pressed her Sean closer, and didn't shut her eyes again until morning. You're sure? Sean asked as he wandered down the hall and rounded the bend that Clementine had just taken. He ignored the nervous electricity that came over him as he passed over the threshold of their bedroom when he saw that Clementine had shed most of her clothing in favor of a white lace robe that only just obscured the finest details of her body. Get over here she said, at once confident and soft. He shot her a smile. She nodded at his pillow. Sean tossed his cane on the bench in front of their poster bed, no longer able to resist the urges brewing inside him. Clementine reached out and touched the tips of his fingers, light at first and then with more urgency. Baby, she whispered, get in this bed. Look, Sean began, whatever happened, Won't happen again, Clem said as she pulled him gently under the sheet. Not now. And it didn't. Not like it had. Not in the years that passed and passed. Not as their single gray strands became many. And whatever it was, it never stopped trying to break into the place that was theirs and only theirs. Somewhere inside, they each knew it never would but when they heard scratching on the ceiling or from deep within the walls or a rolling drone from some diffuse place, those midnights they'd make their bodies into new knots and whisper softly, that's as close as it can get. The End This has been A Midnight Snack, written by Matthew Wayne and performed by me, Douglas Dorda. If you enjoyed listening, we'd really appreciate if you'd give the video a like. You can subscribe to check out new videos in the future. It's up to you. We appreciate it either way. Thank you.